Hello, everyone. Welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot. Questions from our football insider subscribers. If you want to get involved, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to become one of our texters, get the newsletter, uh, get access to those stories behind the paywall. Get on board. Again, that's cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Mary Kay, we have a lot of questions about a number of topics, and I think we're going to start with the man who is still the topic of the day, Joe Flacco. I think I want to start with this one because it has become a topic today and I feel like it's just something we should address off the top. There's there's better, more broad Joe Flacco questions than this, but it seems like some national people decided today to to wake up and tweet some tweet a scenario that is a very Browns is the Browns scenario with Joe Flacco, who reverted to the practice squad today. Kevin Stefanski addressed it in his press conference. So let's just get this out of the way. Frank in Madison, Wisconsin. Hey, Mary Kay, what's the deal with Joe Flacco reverting to the practice squad? Of course, a lot of people are confused because Kevin named him the starter, right? So why is he back on the practice squad? Well, it's just really a formality. They'll they'll sign him to the regular roster, but it's, it, it has to be a transaction that they actually have to sign him. Um, so they will do that. They'll sign him to the regular roster, you know, maybe this week, or maybe they'll use their, uh, their, their last elevation for him. They have three elevations of the practice squad guys, and it's really just a procedural move. Nothing that anybody needs to worry about. Um, but he will be signed to the regular roster either sometime this week or next week after he reverts to the practice squad for the third time or is elevated for the third time. So that'll be his last shot at that. And then he will have to be signed to the active roster, but it will happen. It's just a procedural move. Nothing anybody needs to worry about. Like Kevin Stefanski said today, don't worry about it. So we're not going to worry about it. Right. And sometimes I think there's confusion. Like he would, for him to leave, he'd have to be offered a contract and he'd have to accept the contract. Like, like Pittsburgh couldn't come in and say, we want Joe Flacco. We're claiming him. This isn't waivers. This isn't anything like that. And as long as the Browns are completely certain that he wouldn't do that, then which they are, and he is, um, you basically get a free roster spot out of this because you don't have to put him on your 53. You don't have to waive somebody or cut somebody right now. So you're kind of playing a loophole at this point with the way that this all worked out. And like you said, they may do it this week just because, or they may decide that they want to have what is essentially a 54th roster spot for, for another week here. And then you take care of it next week after you run out of those elevations. Exactly. And uh, you know, and this is a week where they might want to take advantage of having an extra roster spot because they have to deal with some injuries. Now, Dewan Jones is going to be placed on, Injured reserve. He's lost for the season with a knee injury. Uh, so that's one transaction that's going to happen. But there are other guys. I mean, there are a few other guys that are candidates for injury reserve. One of them is Grant Delpit. Uh, Grant Delpit, who signed his three year, $36 million extension today, uh, you know, he suffered a pretty significant groin injury yesterday. And if it looks like he's going to miss as many as four games, then you know, then he could be placed on IR for the rest of the season. So they've got to play around with some things here and figure some things out. Um, but there is no sense of urgency with Joe. He will be signed to the active roster when they need him to be. And again, that could be this week, could be next week. 
Okay, so now let's get to some more uh, Joe Flacco questions here. And I thought this was an interesting point from Jamie in Bethany, Connecticut. Hey, Mary Kay, with Joe Flacco's best statistical season in his career, having been in Gary Kubiak's offense in 2014, do you think that's why Coach Stefanski thought Joe Flacco would be a great fit to run his offense and that Coach Stefanski is now getting to run the same offense he ran with the Vikings and Kirk Cousins when Kubiak was an advisor in 2019? Well, I do think that there is so much crossover and carryover between Gary Kubiak's offense and Gary uh, highly, highly recommended Joe Flacco to Kevin Stefanski. Um, but I definitely think that um, that there's a lot of similarities, obviously, between those two offenses because Kevin called Gary's offense for the last two years in his last two years in Minnesota, and he brought it here. And, uh, you know, really honed it and kind of added to it and made it his own. But there's some crossover in terminology. There's crossover in scheme. It includes all of the play action. It includes, you know, the bootlegs, the rollout game. Uh, Just what we've seen so many times before with the Shanahans, uh, you know, what we've seen here before, you know, with Kyle Shanahan and, uh, and with Kevin Stefanski. So that's what you're seeing. Everybody feels super comfortable with it. And yes, I do think that um, the Kubiak connection has, has helped out a lot. I think it's been interesting to watch this offense with Joe running it. And it does just feel like it feels like that Kevin offense that we've known for like four years. And I do wonder if it raises a question and we're going to have so much time to talk about Deshaun Watson and Joe Flack on all of that. But I do think this raises an interesting question of it just feels like Kevin understands how to call plays better for Joe Flacco than he really kind of figured out with Deshaun Watson. Um, and some of that is like Deshaun's only played 12 games. By the time he came back last year, they couldn't do a ton to change the offense this year. He, he obviously got hurt and missed time and then came back and then he's hurt again. So there hasn't been any consistency there, but you can see the difference with how comfortable Kevin seems to be calling plays with Joe running the offense versus Deshaun or, or I mean, even, I mean, he's he's the most comfortable with Joe running this offense right now. And I just wonder what that means moving forward for how how he's going to ultimately make this mesh with Deshaun Watson. Well, it's a small sample size so far with Joe. OK, so we have to keep that in mind. And one thing that almost nobody is mentioning about Joe's game yesterday, because, you know, nobody wants to be the naysayer. But, you know, when you're playing against the 30th ranked pass defense in the NFL, one without it's two starting cornerbacks and down to some smoke and mirrors in the back end. It's easier to take some chances. It's easier to take some shots. It's easier to have blown coverages. It's easier to find guys completely wide open. It's not always going to be that easy. It's just not. That's the reality of the situation. Sometimes you do have to take into account the strength of the opponent. So, Good for Joe that he had the kind of game that he had yesterday. But, you know, we've seen Baker Mayfield have games like that against inferior pass defenses. It's not all that hard to put up 300 yards on one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. Not saying it's easy, but it's a whole lot easier to do it against the 30th ranked pass defense than it is against the 6th or the 7th or the 8th. And, you know, they didn't have much in the way of, uh, you know, pressure and trying to get sacks. I mean, they've got Josh Allen, but they don't have a whole lot else. 
They were heading into the game. I think they were like 26th or 27th in the NFL with only 26 sacks. They were uh, down low in the NFL rankings in that category. And so, you know, he had time to throw for the most part, which is good because they have issues on the offensive line right now. We'll get into that more as we go along here. But, you know, there, there potentially could be protection issues as they move forward. Now, fortunately for them, they have already faced some of the most ferocious pass rushing teams that they're going to see this season. Now, there are some teams that are going to throw some uh, some good pressure and some good rushers at them, and teams are going to try to blitz them and do some things because now they know that they're down to their fourth and fifth tackle options. Um, but, you know, this was a game in which, uh, you know, it was just a good warm-up, a good way to tune up your passing game against just not a very good pass defense. So you bring that up. And, and I think one of the other notes here is if, if you look at Flacco's completion percentages too, he was 57.8 yesterday and 52.3 uh, le- against the Rams last week. Um, his rating his rating on Sunday against Jacksonville was 92, which is fine. 75.4 against the Rams. So it does seem like there's a little bit of a disconnect between the stat lines and sort of what we're seeing and how we're responding to it. Why do I, I guess why why do you think that is? Why when when you watch it, it looks amazing. When you look at the stat lines, it's kind of like, yeah. I mean, yes, the three eleven is impressive, but it's kind of like, ah, okay. The completion percentage wasn't high. The rating wasn't through the roof in either game. But when you're sitting there watching it, it just feels so much better than that. Well, I mean, if you look back to um, the Rams game, there were a couple of situations. I mean, think about this. Elijah Moore caught four out of 12. Dave Njoku caught two out of six. Said Tillman caught two out of six. Uh, I can't remember what Amari's wasn't fabulous either, I don't think. I mean, Harrison Bryant was the only one in that game that caught five out of five passes. So that's why you're seeing, you know, some issues with the completion percentage. And then whenever you throw an interception, it just kills your rating. And he's had an interception in both of these games. Now, in this past game, he also had a sack fumble, you know, that that doesn't even count in your against you in the rating. Uh, so he's turned the ball over three times so far in his first two games. And that's something that he's going to have to clean up. But I think that's why, you know, you're seeing some of the, you know, the numbers maybe not look quite as good as you want them to be. Uh, but you know what? I mean, there are worse things that can happen than having your quarterback come off the couch and in his second game play a very challenged, a very challenged pass defense and have him build up some confidence chips and get some timing down and get some guys feeling good about themselves in addition to him feeling good about his game. You know, David Njoku left there feeling pretty darn good. David Bell left that left that game feeling good about himself. So the confidence boost that it is heading into this next game, which again is at home, uh, is really good for these guys. Because there were plenty of times in that game, even against this bad pass defense, where they went three and out three straight times. After that opening drive, they went three and out three, three straight times. And then they just decided, you know what? Let's just open this thing up. Let's just take some shots. Let's just take some chances. And then they were kind of off to the races a little bit. Um, but once they play some better defenses, uh, they will be more challenged. They will be more pressured. Uh, there will be better coverage. I mean, if they, you know, if they try to 
play the the Ravens in the playoffs, you know, it's going to be a different ball game, especially, well, that brings its own set of circumstances, of course. Um, but, you know, they, as they move forward into the playoffs, they're going to face much better defenses than what they saw yesterday. Okay, this is, consider this a warm-up for whenever this season ends and we're trying to fill podcast time in like March, April, this, we got a, we got a bunch of questions kind of pertaining to this. And so I'm going to go with this one from Paxton styles in Chevrolet, Maryland. Hey, Mary Kay say Joe Flacco gets the Browns into the playoffs or dare I say Super Bowl. And honestly, we don't even need to qualify that. A lot of the questions were just asking this without that qualifier. How does he fit in on the team next season? It's a very, very good question. Uh, and I think that, you know, it depends on how he does the rest of this year. Because if he plays really well the rest of this year, there might be teams that look at him as, as a starting quarterback. I mean, if he could go out and establish that the reason he had gone 3 and 14 in his previous seven starts was because he was playing on bad football teams, uh, and he can say to people, look what I still have left in the tank, somebody might give him a shot. Somebody might give him a chance. Or somebody might be willing to pay him the big bucks. I think it's going to be the year of the backup quarterback. I think the in the offseason, teams are going to realize that a good backup quarterback uh, can save your season. The Browns are finding that out right now. And there are plenty of teams out there that wish they had a Joe Flacco right now. Again, little qualifier, very bad pass defense yesterday. It's not always going to look that easy. There's not always going to be receivers streaking wide open, catching touchdown passes like that. It would be nice if it was like that. Not going to happen. Um, but, you know, he might get opportunities to do some pretty cool things going forward. You know, his career has been revived, I think, by this chance with the Cleveland Browns. Um, so, you know, maybe they'll toss their hat into the ring and see about re-signing him as their backup quarterback. Um, you know, maybe they'll just say, sayonara, we've got Deshaun Watson back, we're good to go. Uh, but I think with the fact that he's coming off of a shoulder surgery, not a bad idea to have that level of, of a backup quarterback on your roster. So I would give serious consideration to re-signing him. I think that I think the Browns especially need to take backup very seriously this offseason, not just because of what we've what happened to them this year. Well, partially, but we have no idea what Deshaun Watson's going to look like when he comes back, like none at all. And I mean, this is fairly unprecedented to come back from this injury. And on top of that, <laughs> like he came back, he played four games, got hurt. Right. And then he tried to come back from that. Couldn't do it. Came back and played two games and then got hurt again. So, and I know you're a little cynical of this and I am too. If we are to believe that these two injuries are unrelated, then what happened is Deshaun got hurt twice in the span of like eight games. So you better have a good backup plan because A, you don't know what he's going to look like. And B, he got hurt twice this season. And I don't know. I, I just don't think you can trust. It. I just don't think you can go into it again with like, hey, Deshaun's back. He's healthy. He's ready to go. Let's roll. No, you can't. And, you know, I was uh, an enormous advocate all the way through that they should have a Jacoby Brissett-like backup quarterback right from the jump. I never felt like Joshua Dobbs was the answer uh, because he just didn't have enough experience. He started two games in his career, lost them both. I mean, there's something to be said for a guy who just won his 100th game yesterday in Joe Flacco. You've seen 
everything. You've pretty much seen everything. The game is slow for you. There's nothing that you haven't seen or haven't experienced. And, you know, the team can look to you in this moment of quarterback turbulence and say, we believe that he can get the job done. Um, but I never thought that um, that they should leave themselves short in the backup quarterback department. And now it's almost like they have their Jacoby Brissett, right? I mean, I said they should have traded for Jacoby at the trade deadline, and I would have been willing to even give up a third-round pick for him. Because if it can save your season and mean the difference between making the playoffs and possibly, you know, going to the, you know, AFC championship game or maybe even the Super Bowl, I mean, you know, why not spend that third round pick? So now uh, they salvaged the situation and they have Joe Flacco here. And it's a it's a smart move. It turned out to be, you know, just the, the right choice, the right move. And uh and they're going to have to either have him or someone like him. That level of talent needs to be behind Deshaun next year. Okay, this is kind of a good bridge question from Joe to, to other topics. Uh, this comes from Brian from Delaware, Ohio. Hey, Mary Kay, I want to thank you for giving David Njoku the pep talk last week. It worked. He's been underutilized for so many years. So do you think Joe Flacco will continue to find him? I do think that Joe Flacco will continue to find him. And I'm glad you enjoyed my pep talk uh, for David. And, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe he listened. Maybe he heard the pep talk. You know, that's the kind of game that David Njoku sh- should be having, not on a regular basis, because you can't really expect for, to have two touchdown passes every week. But one a week or one, you know, almost every week is what you should expect from your $13.68 million tight end. So I do think that Joe will find him more in the red zone and in the end zone, and they can kind of play tall ball together um, because obviously we know that that Joe is 6'6", David is 6'5". You know, they can operate up there in the uh, in the stratosphere where a lot of other people can't get to, especially smaller defenders. So, um, so I, you know, I do think that we will continue to see good production from David down the stretch. Yeah. And, you know, Joe, again, we, I keep going back to that Rams game where, you know, if he just gets that toe and bounce before the catch, that's another big play. So it's just, it's not even the touchdowns. It's just the dynamic plays and, and those big chunk plays that David is capable of. And with this receiving core, I don't, I don't know, like Amari, Amari hasn't quite been himself the last few weeks. I don't know if it's the ribs. I don't I don't know if it's the quarterback changes. And he had a better game on Sunday. But there's still he just still hasn't quite been himself. So you need other guys to step up and Elijah Moore's gotten going a little. Um some other guys have gotten going, but it's got to be David Njoku. It just has to be. It's got to be Amari and then David and then those other guys can kind of fill in the blanks behind those two. Yes, it absolutely needs to be them. And you're right about Amari. He has not been himself. And I know that those ribs are bothering him. He's not an excuse guy. He's a warrior player who will go out there and play hurt and play injured. But, you know, when you are suffering from that kind of a rib injury, which it could be, you know, the the cartilage tear in there or whatever the case may be, and he's playing with protection over it, it's hard to reach up and, you know, and grab the ball out of the air or reach behind you or make all those moves with your torso when you have 
injured ribs. Even if they're not broken, it doesn't mean that there's not something really wrong and painful going on in there. On top of that, uh, he was coming off of a concussion this week. And I always think that it's hard to come back the very next week from a concussion. And he didn't really 100% look like himself to me yesterday. Um, I don't care what anybody says. I mean, those head injuries, even though you can look back to baseline and pass all your tests, uh, you know, it still takes it out of you. It really does. And, uh, and he definitely did not seem like himself to me yesterday. Okay, let's take a break. When we come back, we will get into Dewan Jones, Kevin Stefanski, and we'll also talk a little playoffs. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. Let's get to the news of the day. Dewan Jones uh, out for the season, a knee injury he suffered in practice last week. Uh, he was downgraded to out on Saturday, and now it turns out he's going to have to have surgery um, on that knee, and his season is over. A pretty successful rookie season for Dewan Jones, which leads to this question from Jay in Springfield, Ohio. Hey, Mary Kay, the news about Dewan Jones is certainly disappointing, but I think that he's proven to be a great draft pick. It has me wondering about next year. How do you see the tackle rotation working out for 2024? Does Dewan's development possibly lead to the Browns moving on from Jack Conklin? You know what? These are all really great questions that they're <laughs> right. I mean, these are things that we've been asking ourselves and wondering, uh, in addition to wondering about moving on from Jack Conklin, I think we all wonder, is Dewan Jones slated for the left tackle job? You know, that's another thing to keep an eye on too. Or do you just let Jed who missed a big chunk of this season uh, ever since he, you know, he's missed the past five games since suffering a sprained and bruised knee. Uh, you know, do you let him, you know, kind of see what he can do for one more year at that left tackle spot? Or do you maybe move DeWand over there and see what Jed might be able to do over on the right side? Or would that be weakening what he's already been able to accomplish, even though he pra- he played on that side at Alabama? Um, you know, of course, he was he was blocking for lefty Tua. So that, you know, that kind of changed the dynamics there a little bit. But he's been over there. He's been comfortable over there. And, you know, maybe that's something that you could think about doing. And if you do find that he is good at that over there, then, you know, maybe it breathes new life into him and you find that he's a longer term option for you and you sign him to an extension. So there are all kinds of things that can happen here. I do think that there, you know, that there could be a chance where because DeWand came through, uh, in, in such a strong fashion and exceeded everyone's expectations, you know, that maybe that does mean something going forward for Jack Conklin, you know? I mean, it could be getting a little bit crowded there at the starting tackle spots and with the money and whatnot. So um, so something to keep an eye on. But for right now, very unfortunate for them that they are down to their fourth and fifth tackle options to start out this season really, really st- strong at those spots and to now be down to fourth and fifth in terms of Jerron Christian at left tackle, James Hudson at right tackle, you know, that's not how this was supposed to go. And, you know, I'm very, very impressed with what Dewan Jones has been able to accomplish this season. I talked to him in training camp. It's the pinned story on my ex account. Um, and it was a pretty cool interview where he talked about wanting to follow in the footsteps of Joe Thomas 
which of course means he probably does want to be over at left tackle. He believes he can play left tackle. He thinks he can star at left tackle. He wants to reach the heights that Joe Thomas reached here, which we, we all know what that is. I mean, it's the pinnacle of your career in the NFL, making the Hall of Fame. Uh, but he was off to a tremendous start, just a tremendous start. He's already climbed to number 29 in the NFL at tackle. That's not easy to do. Um, you know, Jed has, has often been around down in the, you know, like 70s, 60s, 50s area by the end of a season. So for Dewan to be hovering around 29, are you kidding me? And 29 in pass blocking and in 400, um, like 419 pass blocks, he's only surrendered. And Dan, superpower at work here, he's only surrendered like three sacks and very, very few pressures. I'm not looking at any numbers. I'm just going off the top of my head here using my little superpower. I, I can I can vouch for this. <laughs> um, but that's a lot of pass blocks in which to only give up three sacks when you are a rookie. When you are a rookie tackle and they are coming after you and we're talking about, you know, going in there uh, at least part time against TJ Watt in the last game, full time in the first game. And, um, you know, he's worked against some really, really good rushers and he has held his own. He's more than held his own. So this is a big loss. There's a big drop off when you go from Dewan Jones to James Hudson. If you just go by the PFF grades again. Uh, Dewan is 29th right now. Last time I looked at James and I didn't look at him today. I looked at him before the game and he was at 86th, 86th. That is a tremendous, tremendous drop off. So they're going to have to be careful as they move forward here, uh, because they have to get Joe Flacco protected. They can't be having strip sacks. Um, you know, they've got to be able to play a clean, clean football game. So I think they're going to miss DeWand and where they're really going to miss him, where they're really going to miss him, Dan, is once they make the playoffs because they will be playing better football teams, better defenses, better edge rushers. And he was pretty darn good against some of the best of the best. This is now that Grant Delp is extended. This is kind of sneaky. One of the more intriguing storylines of the offseason, as, as you were talking um, so Jack Conklin just signed that extension last year and I'm looking at the over the cap stuff. I mean, there's a ton of just dead cap. Like they really, I'm even looking post June 1st, uh, the info they have. There's really not a way that they can cleanly move on from Jack Conklin. Um, they, I guess they'd almost have to figure out a way to redo that deal. Uh, Jed, of course, has the fifth year option. He's guaranteed. So they can't save any money if they were to decide to move on from Jed. Um, and of course, look, Dewan Jones is cheap. He was a fourth round pick. He's not even making a million dollars. I think mean, he counts on a, he counts a million dollars against the cap next year. One point one three million dollars against the cap next year. He can't get paid until after the 2025 season. So you're good there. Like he's not he's not going to cost you a lot of money for a while. But beyond the money, it's the bodies, right? If you got Dewan Jones and Jedrick Wills and Jack Conklin all on your roster, one of those guys is going to be the odd man out. And none of those guys is going to want to be the odd man out. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they sort of navigate all this. Well, you know, you will have some options. Now, as you mentioned with Jack Conklin, 
the Browns have had a really good relationship with Jack. They have a very good relationship with his agent, Drew Rosenhaus. And if they need to do something with him coming off another major injury uh, in terms of restructuring the contract or whatever the case may be, then uh, even just to get that base down to a more manageable number, then I'm sure they would try to do that. Um, you know, I think they must first determine if Jack 100% wants to come back after suffering one injury after another. I'm sure he probably does. I'm sure he's probably not ready to be done, but it's been a very difficult few years for him and he's really had a hard time just kind of staying on the field. So they've got to check in with him, see where he's at, see if they, you know, could possibly do anything in terms of restructuring. And then if you end up with three starting tackles, like three high-priced starting tackles. Um, well, actually, as you mentioned, DeWand is not high-priced yet, so they could absorb the hit of Jed, who's making $14.175 million guaranteed next year in his fifth-year option year. Um, and then you've got Jack. What's Jack's um, average salary again, Dan? Uh, let me look it up here. I do want to note this, by the way, too. Um, I'm just playing with these drop-down menus on over the cap. You could save money if you traded Jed. So just put a pin in that one. Um, yeah. So his, you were looking at Jack's cap number. Uh, yes. 12.967 next year, 19.467 in 2025 and 2026. Yeah, so, you know, you're you're going to want to try to do something you know, with those cap numbers, if you possibly can. So that's something to keep an eye on. And, you know, and you're right, you can, if you, uh, you know, if you want to try to trade Jed, because you feel like you're, you know, fairly well set there, you know, that could be something that you do. But, um, you know, I think more so than anything, that at $14.175 million, which is not an exorbitant amount for a good starting tackle in the NFL, and you need a good one on the left side, and you need a good one on the right side nowadays. Uh, you know, if they try him over on the right side and kind of find their right tackle of the future a little bit, you know, then that's an investment worth making and, you know, seeing how he does with that. So they definitely have some options. Unfortunately, all three of these guys are going to be coming off of knee injuries. Uh, so there's going to be, it's going to be the brace brigade for them in the off season. And um, I don't know the extent of Dewan's knee injury yet, but um, you know, we'll have to see how long, you know, he's going to be out. He did. I did see him in the locker room on Friday with a sleeve on the right knee and a brace in his hand. He was walking. Okay. Um, but you know, he's got something going on in there that needs to be repaired. Don't know exactly what it is yet. Um, but hopefully we'll, you know, we'll have a few more details on that soon. Um, but yeah, they have some decisions to make at these tackle spots and some of it will depend on who's getting healthy and when. Yeah. And, and Jack is only, uh, 29, you know, it, it's it's easy to forget how young he still is, uh, relatively speaking. He's only 29. It's just, can you count on him to stay healthy long term? Because if you could, then maybe you consider saying, let's trade Jed, find some savings there, move Dewan to left tackle. Jack Conklin can be the right tackle for however many more years. But it's just that health has been an issue for him, even going back to Tennessee. So 
I don't know. I, I, this, this is going to be one of the storylines to keep an eye on as, as we kind of move through the offseason, I guess, all of a sudden. So uh, let's get to Kevin Stefanski. Jim Buddy in Pittsburgh. Hey, Mary Kay. All things considered, injuries, coming off two losses, good opponent, playoff implications. Was this Kevin Stefanski's best regular season win? Um, You know, it doesn't strike me as the best because I think anything over the Ravens or the Pittsburgh Steelers or even the Bengals, uh, you know, those stand out in my mind as, as really good. I mean, that victory over the Baltimore Ravens this year is that's huge. I mean, that that's a huge, huge thing. I mean, it could have, it could even end up having AFC North implications in terms of, you know, what happens in winning this division. I mean, it's, that's not off the table yet, even though they're two games behind right now. I mean, it actually still is possible. It's, it's still possible and until someone tells them that can't happen then of course, you know, they'll try to go for that because the Ravens have a tougher schedule than the Browns do down the stretch. So I'm not going to say that a victory over the Jaguars is his best regular season victory to date. Um, it was, it was good. It was, it was big. It was a big game and they had to win it and they did. And, um, you know, and it could loom large in the final analysis, but it didn't, it didn't really, feel like the best one to me how about you dan yeah i'm with you not to pile on jim here but um i I certainly don't think it was even his best regular season win this season the baltimore game like you mentioned is up there and like this tim this team did beat san francisco you Mm -hmm. know for all for all that we can talk about with that game the missed field goal at the end the guys that left the game they did still beat san francisco with pj walker at quarterback Mm -hmm. so that counts that counts for something um, yes. So I, I would put that on the list. The Pittsburgh win uh, in week 11, I'd put that one on the list, a 13-10 win. And I think a lot of I've, – I've just been impressed with how Kevin has made adjustments this year and how he's sort of gotten out of character a little bit, punted more, settled for field goals because he knows his quarterback situation. And I think one of the surest signs that he feels really comfortable with Joe Flacco is they went for it on fourth down three times mm-hmm. in the second half on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that tells me that Kevin feels comfortable kind of being Kevin again with Joe Flacco at quarterback. Um, so I think he'll get back to being that more aggressive, you know, less, less Jim Trestle style, a more Kevin Stefanski style head coach. And I, I think that'll be a good thing ultimately for the Browns, but I think he's been very, he's been really flexible this year with how he's kind of managed games and, and coached this team and, you know, you, we, we can nitpick play calls and things like that, but Kevin has done a really nice job this year. Yeah, he really has. And, I mean, heading into this game, you know, because they were coming off of two losses and people didn't like what they had seen, uh, you know, he was back on the hot seat, on the fans' hot seat, right? Or maybe on the sports talk radio hot seat. Uh, but he really does has done a, a terrific job this year under very trying circumstances. They had to hold it together through – Deshaun Watson's strained rotator cuff before he even uh, knew that he had a fracture in the shoulder. Uh, So, you know, they've had to get through a lot this year. They lost Nick Chubb. They lost Jack Conklin. They lost Jakeem Grant. They've, they've lost a a number of other guys. We now know they, you know, lost Jed Wills for most of the second half of the season. And uh, 
they played their fourth quarterback yesterday, you know, and they won a game with their fourth quarterback, only the eighth time that that's happened in the history of the NFL. So I don't know how you can grade this as anything, but a resounding success to this point for Kevin Stefanski. And, you know, maybe this particular victory will get some of the critics off of his back for a little bit. So that brings us to this question. Um, It comes from uh, Dave Barnes in Richmond, Virginia. Do you think with everything that Kevin Stefanski has had to deal with in order for the Browns to be in this position, he should get coach of the year consideration? Yes, I do think he should get coach of the year consideration, especially now, Dan, you and I picked the Browns to win 11 games. And at, at some point at various points throughout the season, it seemed, especially when Deshaun Watson went down, that seemed like it was going to, going to be impossible, right? That just seemed like there is no way that's happening. And now it's still possible. I mean, it is possible, even though they're down to their fourth quarterback. If they go 11 and six, then I absolutely think he should be a very strong candidate for NFL coach of the year again. Yeah. And we made those picks when Nick Chubb was the running back. We thought mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson was going to start to look like Deshaun Watson pretty quickly. Um, we had no idea if Dewan, jo- like, if you would have told me Jack Conklin was going to get hurt and Dewan Jones was going to have to play at that time, I'd have been like, eh, I don't know. We'll see. Um, and then now Dewan Jones is out. I, yeah, there's, there's no world where if you had laid out everything this team has had to go through and told me, well, Joe Flacco is going to be the starting quarterback in week 14. I'd have been like, oh yeah, that's an 11 win football team for sure. So the fact that he might still get there. And like you said, they do still have an outside shot to win this division. And we're starting to see some other teams fall off a little bit too. Some other coaches that might have been coach of the year candidates. There's going to be a pretty convincing case for Kevin. There really is. I mean, there really is. So that'll be funny uh, for him to go uh, from the hot seat back into NFL coach of the year. It can happen. I mean, that's just how uh, much of a roller coaster ride this season has been. Uh, But, you know, good for him if that happens. It means the Browns are completely winning and on the right track. And that would just be so great for fans. You know, it's one of the best things about these home games is to see and to hear the joy uh, amongst the fans. I mean, like, it was so much fun for fans at the stadium yesterday. They were on their feet throughout that whole entire fourth quarter. Uh, They were just having a blast down there. And and that's good. That's good for the city. It's good for the team. It's good for morale. Uh, You know, gives everybody something to get excited about right now. We're on the holidays and into the postseason. And, uh, you know, Kevin's dynamite at home. The record is like 22 and 10 at home or something like that under Kevin Stefanski. They're six and one at home this year. So it's like you can almost count on a victory at home now. I mean, they play with their hair on fire there. And, you know, that's what you want. You want to be able to uh, protect, I call it their lakefront home. Um, You know, you want to be able to protect your home field advantage. And they're doing a phenomenal job of that. Okay, let's get to this question. You have um, sort of alluded to this a a couple of times, but uh, it comes from Reed and Russell Township. Hey, Mary Kay, what has to happen for the Browns to win the division? Is there a chance the Ravens were so close to losing on Sunday? Yeah, you know, that would have really, really helped. They would have pulled to within a game of the Ravens. And Dan, can you, do you want to pull up the Ravens remaining schedule? Can you do that? 
Or do you want me to? I can. Yeah, no, well. I, I can do it. And I also have the I have the standings with the tiebreakers up here, too. I just got to get okay. to the Ravens schedule. Um, okay. Quickly, I'm pulling it up if I can find them. Okay, so the Ravens uh, play at Jacksonville next week. They mm-hmm. play at San Francisco the week after that. Versus Miami in week 17. And then they host to the Steelers in week 18. Okay. So, you know, that is no walk in the cake as Butch Davis used to say, uh, that's no walk in the cake. I mean, Jacksonville, I have a feeling um, that once Trevor Lawrence is healed up a little bit more from his high ankle sprain, is going to be more mobile and be able to, uh, you know, he was sacked four times yesterday and uh, he threw four interceptions. He, you know, he went out there and he gutted it out on, I'm sure, what was a very, very painful high ankle sprain. So he's going to be feeling better. That's not going to be that easy of a game. The 49ers, I mean, whatever, you know, ailed them when they came here to Cleveland in terms of being without Debo Samuel most of the game, being without Christian McCaffrey for most of that game, uh, and then having kicker issues at the end of that game, you know, they've solved those problems and they're, they are playing really, really well. And that game is at San Francisco. And I know Lamar, I haven't rewatched it or anything, but I mean, I hear, I see John Harbaugh raving about the game that Lamar played yesterday. Um, So that, you know, that's going to be quite the matchup, but those back-to-back games on the road, that's tough. And then, um, you know, coming home to host uh, the Dolphins, they're they're certainly not an easy out. And then, you know, the Steelers, uh, you know, the Steelers-Ravens rivalry, anything can happen in those AFC North games. Anything can happen in those games. You just never know. So, um, so they've, they've got a tough row to hoe the rest of the way. And I think the Browns have, uh, you know, just an easier slate, although we know, uh, that the bears, you know, rose up yesterday and, and had a nice victory over the the lions, right? Was it the lions that they beat yesterday? Yep. Over the lions. They had a very nice victory over the lions and Justin Fields played well. And, um, you know, they've got some things going on on defense so that's not like a super, super easy out the way that you may have thought it would be. But again, it's at home and the Browns just are, you know, they just are not going to be denied at home. Um, and then they play the Texans. That's next, right? The Browns play the Texans after yep, that. It's the Texans and they, they've the got Texans. some issues they're dealing with, um, with Tank Dell out for the year. I know CJ, I, I haven't, you seen an update on CJ Stroud, but I know he left that game. I think it was um, for a concussion check. Yeah, he's in the protocol. Yeah, okay, so he's, he's in the protocol now. He's in the protocol okay. right now, and you never know. So when you never know. The proto- no, two, never two weeks know. might not be enough. <laughs> it might not be enough. Ever, you know, it's yeah. So they'll have to see about that. Um, again, the Browns are down to their fourth and fifth tackle option, so that's not going to help their cause at all. And they are having issues on defense with injuries. Grant Delpit, I wrote this today, um, you know, he could go on, he might have to go on injured reserve. I mean, that was a pretty significant groin injury that he has. Now, maybe they'll try to avoid putting him on injured reserve because that would cost him the rest of the season. And they certainly don't want that. Um, But, you know, sometimes you just have to do what you have to do. So we'll have to see what happens with that. Not sure if Denzel's going to be back. I mean, you know, they have some, they've got some issues on the offensive line. Uh, Ethan Posick suffered a stinger in that game. So, 
there are a lot of factors as they go through these last four games. And of course they, um, they finish up with the jets, which they should be good to go there. You know, that's at home. And then they play at Cincinnati and, you know, Jake Browning had a nice game against the the Jaguars. So, you know, who knows? I mean, you, you can't count that as just a, a simple, easy out either. So um, it's going to be very interesting. But, you know, the Ravens, they're going to have to keep winning, and especially over these next two weeks, if they want to hold off the Browns. I'm a little freaked out by the Jets game. Just a little, like, hmm. I, you know, I'll pick the Browns. It's just Thursday night. It's the Thursday night thing. I hate Thursday night games are weird. You know, the guys that get dinged up on Sunday, maybe they don't get back as quickly for Thursday night. Um, the Jets defense is good. So that's, I mean, that that defense is good enough. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm still a little freaked out because they knocked me out of my survivor pool yesterday. Maybe that's what <laughs> it is. It's a, it's a personal issue. But um, yeah, I don't know. The Jets, the Jets game scares me. I think the Browns should win it, but that one, that one weirdly kind of freaks me out a little. But just to um, this texter's point, um, so right. Baltimore is 10 and three. The Browns are eight and five. So there's two games. And if you start to look at tiebreakers, the Browns can get to four and two in the division. The Ravens can get to four and two in the division. That's the second tiebreaker after a head to head. Of course they've split. And then it goes to common games. We don't know the answer to that one. Um, and then conference record, which right now the Ravens and Browns have the same conference record. So, you know, that'll obviously change over the next few weeks, but Browns are in a decent enough position tiebreaker wise too, depending on how things break over these next four games to where if they can just get tied with the Ravens. So let's say the Ravens finish one and three somehow and win 11 games and the Browns win 11 games. I actually think the Browns without actually figuring it all out, I think they would probably win those tiebreakers. Um, so that's, that's one of your paths forward. And then of course, if the Browns somehow manage to win out and get to 12, then things get really weird, and that's when you have a real shot to to win this division for sure, um, because yeah. the Ravens would go two. The Ravens would go two and two in that scenario, and I I could see that. I mean, stranger things have happened, right? I mean, the Browns every single game that they have left is a, a game that they should win. Every single game that they have left is a game that they should win. I think probably the most challenging one might be. The game in Houston, although they've fallen apart a little bit, they've come back to the pack a little bit. Um, but that one on Christmas Eve on the road against CJ, you know, that could be a little bit tricky. And the thing is, you know, it's a game of matchups. It's a, you know, these are always how this particular team matches up against that team. If you have a football team that has some really good edge rushers now, that's where you're going to be able to make your hay against the Cleveland Browns because they are down to their fourth and fifth tackle options. And you can't chip everybody. You can't double everybody. Um, you know, they'll, they'll try to play the quick game and, and do that sort of thing. Um, but, uh, you know, that is one place where teams can, you know, try to exploit them. And then, of course, turnovers, takeaways, that's the great equalizer. If they can continue to win the turnover battle the rest of the way, they're going to be okay. But if they're going to be turning the ball over, they're not going to be okay. And it doesn't matter how good you are. If you're losing the turnover battle, you're putting yourself way behind the eight ball. Yeah, and that's where even that Cincinnati game gets tricky because they can get after the quarterback a little bit. And, mm -hmm. you know, look, these guys always get up for playing those receivers. Um, 
but if Jake Browning's getting the ball a, little, a ball out a little quicker, you know, I don't, I don't know uh, that even even that game. All of these games are tricky, but they're also all very winnable for this football team. So yeah, that's why they're still alive, certainly alive in the AFC North. If Baltimore happens to stumble as they get into the, this difficult finish in their schedule, and then we're talking play, we're talking home playoff game. Mm-hmm. Joe Flacco starting a home playoff game. Nobody had yeah. that on their bingo card. No, nobody had that on their bingo card. And, you know, again, it could happen because what they needed, what they needed more than anything was a quarterback who could come in and make plays and throw touchdown passes. He's thrown five in his first two games. Once again, I keep qualifying it. It's not always going to be as easy as it was yesterday, Uh, but he's throwing touchdown passes. And I think that's going to get even better because, again, Amari hasn't been himself. Uh, You know, Elijah's just starting to heat up a little bit uh, with Joe and Joe's figuring out some of his other personnel and, you know, where he feels comfortable. And, uh, you know, if you have that coupled with this defense, then anything can happen, not just the rest of the regular season, but in the playoffs. And I've been saying that, you know, I've been saying that, you know, stranger things have happened than having a really, really excellent, opportunistic, sack-happy defense take you very deep into the playoffs, even with, you know, just a halfway decent quarterback. And he's been more than halfway decent in in his first two games. So if they get good, clean, solid quarterback play, good, you know, a nice amount of touchdown passes, and then their defense continues to do what it has been doing, you know what? Anything can happen as they move forward. So fans should get excited. I mean, it this could be a wild ride for the next how many ever weeks. All right. Well, we'll be following it all along here uh, on the Orange Brown Talk podcast for our football insiders at cleveland.com slash Browns. If you want to become a football insider, go to cleveland.com slash Browns. Click the blue banner at the top of the page. Find us on Instagram, search Orange and Brown Talk. I'd love to see that follower account go up. So if you haven't hit follow over there on Instagram, do me a favor and do that. And also find us on YouTube. Go to Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com and subscribe to our Browns YouTube channel. Mary Kay, I will talk to you later. Sounds great.